2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. Everyone say the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said to him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. So Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. In the Hebrew language, this must be very powerful because there's an exclamation here in your English Bible. This is a powerful, I, I'll do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, that he put forth his hands and took him and kissed him. This is false humility. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel. Now, you can't miss this part right here. He did this to all of Israel that came to, who'd they come to? But they're talking to Absalom. They came to talk to the king, but they're stuck at the gate talking to Absalom. And because of this, the scripture said that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Absalom establishes his power hold in the gate. But the people didn't come to the gate. They came to see the king. Just beyond that gate, there was a throne room for somebody that could talk to the king. But somebody got stuck in the gate. So I want to preach to you this morning about being stuck. In the gate. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. I haven't preached about Absalom for a long time, but for the last several days, Absalom has been stirring in my spirit. In my daily Bible reading, I keep seemingly crossing paths with this story. And I feel that God does not waste words and he does not waste time. He does not waste your time in being in the house of the Lord today. And I feel that God has a word for us in this house. If I could give you a summation of the totality of what I want to rightfully expound to you from the word of truth today, I would say it to you like this, that there are some in this house that God has been pulling on you and reaching for you for quite some time to take you to a deeper place in his kingdom, to take you to a deeper place of understanding and knowledge of who he truly is. But there is distraction at the gate of your life and the enemy has done everything that he can. To put up red flags and to, to stop you and to stifle you and to slow you down. Well, listen, I want to tell you this morning, you didn't come to see me and you didn't come to see anybody that's seated on these pews. You came to the king's house today. And the enemy knows what can happen in the king's house today. So let me just tell you that while you're here, there's no reason for you to get stuck at the gate because the king of glory is in the house this morning and the king wants to hear from you. Praise God. So I'm going to try my best today to get this to you as quickly as I can because I feel like the Lord is desiring to move and work in hearts today. The scripture tells us that 
Absalom would get to the gate and the scripture said he got there early. He got there early because he wanted to catch the earliest one who would try to get to the king. There's nothing wasted in this passage. It's all very intentional. You know, we actually get, uh, we, we get the words uh, conspiracy from what Absalom was doing in the kingdom. It's in your Bible that Absalom was leading a conspiracy. It was a revolt in the kingdom against his father. Absalom was doing everything that he could to turn over the kingdom. But the only way that he could turn over the kingdom was to get to the hearts of the people. Now I'm going to preach this to you right here. And you can't miss this or you'll miss the rest of the sermon. Absalom could not affect them after they had been in the presence of the king. So he had to stop them at the gate. Because Absalom, listen to me now, Absalom was raised in the presence of the king. And Absalom knew what happened. Now, David was not anointed by man. I know, I understand that the prophet Samuel anointed him, but God told Samuel to anoint David as king. David had a God-called anointing. He was the king of the people. The people loved David. He was a man after God's heart and the people. He had their heart. And so Absalom knew what would happen if the people would ever get through the gate of the city and would find themselves into the presence of the king. Absalom knew because he had been there. Now the scripture tells us, and I must say this speedily this morning to get to where I'm going, but the Bible tells us that Lucifer, your adversary, the devil the father of all lies and the truth is not in him anybody believe that the bible tells us that lucifer your adversary is an angel the bible said specifically about him that he was the cherub that covereth he was a cherub that stood and sat in the presence of the lord and if you get the picture it's as though that Lucifer stood with his wings spread wide, this cherubim. He was an interesting looking creature. And he was set apart somewhat from the rest of the cherub because the Bible said that his pipes were in him. In other words, he was created to worship. He was like a walking pipe organ. He was created to worship the Lord. He was the cherub that covereth. But as was mentioned in Bible class this morning, he began to exalt himself. He began to lift himself. He was not created to lift himself. He was created to lift the most high. He was created to protect the presence of the Lord. But when he esteemed himself more highly than he should, the scripture tells us that the Lord cast him out of the heavens. Now, This is what you need to know today. When you got up out of the bed and you made your way to the house of the Lord, you had to walk past a gate to get here. You didn't see the gate. It was an invisible gate. And some of you are still seated at that gate today because the Spirit of the Lord is calling you to a deeper place. But your adversary, Lucifer, is doing everything that he can with every kind of distraction that he can to keep you from the presence of the king. Why would he do that, Pastor? Because Lucifer, just like Absalom, was in the presence of the king. And he knows what happens in the throne room of the king. I feel like telling you this morning that the enemy wants to do everything he can to keep you out of the presence of God. But somebody is going to realize that God is reaching for you today. And you're going to shake yourself from the gate of confusion. And you're going to shake yourself from the gate. Oh, come on now. There's enough conflict in this world. I don't need conflict in my soul. At the gate, I came today to serve no on the enemy you're not going to stop me at the gate I've stopped here too many times you're not going to steal my soul 
I feel like somebody's here to press through this morning. I feel like somebody's here to go a little deeper this morning. I feel like somebody's here to walk a little further this morning. You have stopped at the gate and the enemy has convinced you that it's all right right here where you are. But there's a king just a few steps beyond that gate that's desiring for you to come on in. The scepter has been raised this morning. If the enemy can keep you from the throne room, He'll keep you out of the king's presence. You know, as I grow in the Lord, and I'm still growing every day. Amen. I wish I knew everything there was to know. It'd be beautiful. But I've been married long enough to know I don't know as much as I thought I did. And we have three daughters. I'm constantly reminded that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. (laughs) But the older I get and the more I understand about God, the more I identify things in my life that have kept me locked up at the gates. I see confusion and maybe bitterness, some things in my heart, and I don't have time to go into all of this, so I want you to just kind of fill in the lines, if you could today, in your own life. I didn't just come to preach to one or two, I came to preach to the house, because I believe that there is a depth that God is calling us to. When he left this earth, Jesus said, these signs that I do shall you do, and greater works. Somebody say greater. So I want to tell you, if we're not seeing greater works than Jesus did, then we're not deep enough. There is, I don't don't want to get stuck here forever, but I've got to preach this. The spirit of religion is absolutely destroying people and keeping them from the presence of God. I'm talking about people that can can pray sincerely every day and the spirit lead them, talk to God every day. But they're so locked up in the gate of religion that if it does not fit the sphere of their premeditated idea of God... Oh my. Well, that's tight, but it's right, isn't it? (laughs) It's pretty sad when religion about God has created more confusion about God than anything else in this world. It's true. It is not the scripture that has created confusion because God is not the author of confusion. It's man's ideas of God that have created confusion in the hearts and the lives of men. And so we get stuck at this gate. It's the gate of what my grandmother believed. It's the gate of what my grandfather believed. It's the gate of what my parents believed. And so we will slow ourselves from being able to take that step of faith by understanding that if if I embrace the word of God, then I'm neglecting my family. Now, this is about to get strong up in here, okay? I don't want you getting mad at me, so let me just quote Jesus. Jesus used some pretty strong language. He said that unless a man would hate his mother and father. Now, that doesn't mean that the Lord wants you to hate your mother and father. He wants you to honor your mother and father. He's saying there's something about this gate in your life that you cannot relinquish How you were raised, what you were taught, what somebody told you it was supposed to be. But when God reveals himself to you in a different way than what you've been told, 
At what point are you finally going to break free from that gate and say, I'm not going to stay here at the gate of confusion anymore because the God that's been trying to introduce himself to me is just a few steps beyond this gate right here. And so whatever the gate may be in your life, there's some of you that have had things happen in your life that you did not deserve and people were mean to you and, and, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but some of you have been through things uh, in this church. You've, you've, you've been through things in your life that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, but understand me when I tell you that God did not make that happen. God was not the author of that. As a matter of fact, if I could introduce to you another idea, he's the only one that can heal that. Everybody's standing around trying to figure out why did God let this happen and God let that happen. You're asking the wrong question. It's not about what he let happen. It's about what he can do in your life today. He can set you free from that fear. He can set you free from trust issues. He can set you free from the brokenness and the bitterness that's in God. If you love me, why did you let that happen? He loves you so much today that he can heal you and he can deliver you and he can set you free. He can put your mind at ease today and you don't have to live the rest of your life held captive at the gate of confusion because of what man has done to you oh tell your neighbor this morning don't get stuck at the gate and so the more the more we learn about God the more we realize how much more we need to know about him I want to tell you a story okay I know you all think my parents are holy I'm going to tell you a story. Brother McLean, I got to get this off my chest. When I was a kid, my mom and dad took me to the horse races. It happened, but I got to tell you how it happened. I was convinced. I was convinced. That I had been to the horse races. We were preaching in Louisiana. And when I say we, I'm talking about he. We were there as a family evangelizing. We got a little break in the revival and we went to Hot Springs. Right? See, he's agreeing. I hadn't lied yet. We went to, he said so far. We went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, this is where the story takes a hard, hard, hard left turn. Mike Bingham was there, which is my uncle. Those of you that know him, this is, this is why the story gets really bad, because Mike Bingham was there. And so we, uh, we're in, Little Rock, or in uh, Hot Springs, and we went to a service. And then that afternoon, Uncle Mike said he had an idea. He wanted to show the kids something cool, right? So we jump in his vehicle, and we, we go into this neighborhood. It was just like a, it was a housing development. And we came past this area where there was a, a big chain leak type fence and it had uh, kudzu or whatever growing up like the ivy stuff that grows up in through the fence. And there was a hole, I would guess, maybe about the width or so of the, pla- of the pulpit here. Just a, a little deal. He just gets out and parks the car, parks the truck. I'm like, whoa. Like we're just parking in this neighborhood. Good call, uncle. This is cool. I love fences with kudzu on it, you know. And he's like, dude, I want you guys to get out of the car. I want you to come over here. I'm going to show you something cool. And so we got out and, and we walk over there and we look inside and you can see this beautiful uh, dirt, like 
beautiful dirt that had been well manicured and could hear this noise in the distance. And he said, now watch real close, kids. Watch very close here in just a second. It's going to be fast. And so all of a sudden, <laughs> these horses come running by. We were at the horse track on the backside where the fence was. And somebody had tore just a little bit of that ivy off and you could, you could see. So they took me to the horse races. And when we, when we got back, now you have to understand, the guy that we were preaching for in Louisiana, he preached against everything but fresh air, and he thought about that. I mean, this dude, this dude was something, man. So we get back to Louisiana because we left our, our trailer there, and we got back to Louisiana, and my dad had to, had to preach again that weekend. So we get in their church, and I, I believe it was Sunday night after church. Uh, the pastor came up and he said, well, Brother Luke, did you have a good time going to Arkansas? I said, yes, sir. My mom and dad took me to the horse races. Mm. Did I lie? Huh. So here's what I want you to say. This, this, this is what I want you to understand. This is what I'm saying. Some of you are convinced that you've been in the throne room because you've caught a glimpse. I didn't no more go to the horse races than anybody that's breathing in this room right now. I went to a place that I could catch a glimpse of the action. Oh God, I feel like preaching in here. And so many people are stuck on the fringes of a relationship with God because they go to church every week. I want to tell you, I love you and I thank God for every time you walk through the door. But just because you sit on a pew once or twice a week does not put you in the presence of God. You're catching a glimpse of his goodness. There's something, listen, if we're going to talk about that horse right, I want to take you behind the scenes. I want to take you in the barn where they're being fed and cared for. And why. I want you to put your hands on them and realize how real they are. We're not just here to catch a glimpse. I want to take you to a place this morning where you can behold his beautiful face and his goodness and his mercy. I don't want you to behold men's idea of who God is. I want you to behold him in the beauty of his holiness. I want you to know who he is today. He is the father of creation that loved you so much that he robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. Tell somebody don't get stuck at the gate. I didn't see the horse races. I caught a glimpse of what was passing by. There are some people that are so afraid. They are so afraid that if they take that one step further and go beyond that gate, that they're going to commit themselves to something that they can't get out of. And so I want to tell you today, you're partially right. Because if you ever taste and see that the Lord is good... You will never be satisfied by anything else again. If you ever get a taste of his goodness, 
You'll never be able to go to a dry, dead, plucked up by the roots church and ever be satisfied again. Once you taste and see the goodness of the Lord, there's going to be something in you every day of your life that says, I've got to get into his presence. I've got to get to where I can see him. I've got to get to where I can touch him. I don't just want to see him walk by. I want to reach out and touch him. I'll tell you what, little lady. You got your issue of blood and you're trying to figure it out. You've had it for 12 years. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to watch him go past. Anybody here know the story? For 12 years, she had an issue of blood, female issues. She couldn't get it fixed. The Bible said she spent everything that she had. Why didn't she just sit there and watch him go by the hole in the fence? Because catching a glimpse of him was not enough. She said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. I don't just want to watch him go past. I want to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I want to touch him. Because when Jesus passes by, if you can but touch him, you will be whole. Now, I'm going to walk you through someplace real quick. And I, I need you to stay with me because we're going to, we're going to walk through a narrative that gets kind of difficult. But I'm talking to you about people that get stuck in the gate. So I need you to stay here with me in the book of Acts, the 10th chapter. Acts 10 is a very pivotal moment in the history of the church. In Acts 2, we've got first the Jews. And then uh, in Acts 8, we've got the Samaritans seeing salvation. Then in Acts 10, we've got a Gentile man by the name of Cornelius. Now, this is very pivotal. Like, you kind of get the idea if you read about Cornelius that this dude, he kind of had it going on. He had the dark olive skin. He had the... The dark hair combed back, and when you walk past Cornelius, and you looked at him kind of funny, like Cornelius is the kind of guy that looked at you and said, well, you looking at me? The Bible said he's a centurion of the Italian band. That's what the Bible said. You know, you just got that. You, I mean, like, his friends all called him Guido. <laughs> Nobody called him Cornelius. When Cornelius walked in the room, everybody got quiet. How do you know that? Because the Bible says he was an honorable man. I'm not just making light. I'm, I, I like to see you smile. But Cornelius was an honorable man. And the Bible said that he prayed often. As a matter of fact, the scripture said that not only was he devout, but he feared the Lord with all his house. Now, folks, I don't have time to preach all this, but there's something powerful about that statement. That's easy to read past in your English Bible. But the scripture lets us understand. He feared God with everything that he had. And nothing under his care or oversight was allowed to not fear God. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody. And let me just interject here. For those of you that know where I'm going in this story. That's the kind of people that God searches out right there. People that fear the Lord with all their heart and with all their house. He saw in a vision, verse 3, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming unto him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid, and he said, What is it, Lord? He said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And this is what he said. He said, Now send some men to Joppa. Because there at the tanner's house is a man by the name of Peter. 
Now, I got just a few minutes here to explain this to you, but I want to tell you why this is such the conundrum. The Lord is getting ready to pour his spirit out on the Gentiles for the first time, which was considered to be unclean. Okay? As a matter of fact, if we're going to be technical, the scripture just calls them dogs. God's about to pour his spirit out. And so God positions a man of God by the name of Peter in Joppa. And he puts him in a tanner's house. Oh, God doesn't waste anything. But if you just read past it, you'll miss it. He's in the tanner's house when he has this vision that comes down. There's a sheet. There's unclean beasts that are on the sheet. And the Lord said, what do you think? He said, I think it's gross. It's unclean. And the Lord says to him, don't you ever call unclean what I've called clean. Right? So here's the vision that's going on. But where does the vision happen? We get focused on the vision. Where, where does the vision happen? Because God doesn't waste stuff. He is on the rooftop of the tanner's house. The tanner's house is a love-hate relationship. Because the truth of the matter is, at the front door of the tanner's house, the priest can't even shake his hand. Because he's touched dead carcass. But at the back door of his house, they need him because he tans the hide upon which the holy writ of God will be put upon on a scroll. My, my. So at the front of the house, you can't touch him. But at the back of the house, you have to have him. Are you following what I'm saying? It's a tough transition for the priesthood. Because they're like, well, I can't touch people that have touched dead things. Yeah, but if the living word is going to be put on dead skin... You have to have the tanner. So the tanner's house is more than just the house where the tanner lives. It's a house of transition. Oh, God, have mercy. It's a house of transition where something walks in unclean, but out the back door of the house, it's where something eternal can be written on flesh. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. God puts Peter on the rooftop of the house of transition. You love to hate it, and you hate to love it. He said, well, what do you think, Peter? What, what do you think about this vision I'm showing you? Peter, the very thing that I'm showing you right now is what goes on in the basement of this house. The unclean walks into the front door. But after it's been touched by the hand of the master, whoo, it can be used by the priesthood. To put the scripture on. Listen, I want to tell you. I thank God for you precious people. But some of you walked in here jacked up. Your life was a mess. You were miserable. You were turned upside down. But when you walked into the house. When you walked into the house of transition. And the word of God was put on your heart. You have forever been changed. So he said, Cornelius, I want you to go. See, I did good. I did that in four minutes. He said, Cornelius, I want you to send men. I want you to go to the Tanner's house. And you're like, hmm, this is interesting. There's going to be a Jewish man at the Tanner's house. Okay. Now, they got a little walk here. They're on their way into Joppa. And they're looking at each other saying, the Tanner's house? And there's just going to be a man there. Okay. I think Cornelius is losing it, guys. I think the old man has lost his sillies. He's sending us all the way into Joppa 
on the hopes that there's going to be a dude at the Tanner's house and God has spoken to this man and he's just going to know that we're coming. Well, yes. Your faith is not led by what you see. But your faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. It's a walk by faith. So, so we're just going to go blindly and believe that while we're on our way, the answer is being dealt with. We're going to it, but God's speaking to the answer while we're there. Yes, and if you don't walk by faith, you'll never see it. So, so, so I'm, I'm on my way blindly walking to an answer that may or may not know we're coming. And so they're on their way. And at this time, the Lord is dealing with Peter and this vision is happening. And he says, there's going to be a couple men that's going to be here. I want you to wait for them. And he said, I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to do a work in you. I'm going to take you. I hope you're ready for this, Peter. I'm going to take you to a Gentile home. And I'm going to do great things. So don't you call unclean. What I have called clean. Everybody's still with me? Great story. He said, Cornelius is stuck at the gate. He's stuck at the gate of relationship. He thinks just because he prays and gives offerings and fears the Lord in his house that he's heard everything there is to hear. But Peter, I'm about to send you to Cornelius to get him out of the gate. And I'm going to take him a little bit deeper into the presence of the Lord. Anybody here thankful for the preacher that was preaching when you got the Holy Ghost? Thank God for a preacher that'll preach you out of the gate of sin. Thank God for a preacher that'll tell you there's hope beyond the gate that you can repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Verse 23 of Acts 10. Then called he them in and lodged with them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them. And he had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Why did they come? Because all his house feared the Lord. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter said, oh no. He took him up and he said, stand up, because I also am just a man. You don't worship me, Cornelius. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were gathered together. And he said unto them, you know how it is an unlawful thing for a man that's a Jew to keep company or come uh, one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gain, saying, as soon as I was sent for I asked, therefore, what intent you have sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. You know the story. Let's go to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive. Oh, this preaches itself. God is no respecter of persons. What, what, what do you mean, Pastor St. Clair? I mean, it doesn't matter to God where you've been. It doesn't matter to God what your background is in here today. It doesn't matter to God how much you've messed up. He's no respecter of person. And his blood is as powerful for you as it is everybody you've seen on this platform this morning. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted 
with him. The word of God which sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. I love this right here. He is the Lord of all. That word I say you know. Which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all the people that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. You know what's amazing? He's preaching the same thing right here that he preached in Acts 2. Because it works. Somebody say amen or oh me. Verse 44, and while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And the Holy Ghost said, come out of the gate. Because I'm about to take you somewhere you've never dreamed that you could go, Cornelius. It's time for you to get out of the gate. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was the Holy Ghost poured out. How did they know? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I'm glad to tell you this morning that it didn't just stop on the day of Pentecost. But all of Cornelius' house was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Cornelius, get out of the gate. Don't get stuck at the gate. Don't get stuck with your alms and offerings. I want to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost just like we did as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay around for a few days. Why did they want him to stay around for a few days? Because they just came out of the gate and they realized there's a relationship that God has for me. Listen, there's power in this. Don't miss it. It is not enough to come to church and get inspired, get baptized, and just speak in other tongues. You got to let the word hang around in your life. They said, we need the word to stay around here. Peter, teach us the things that we've been missing. We're not going to stay in the gate. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and we've been baptized in Jesus' name. If God has more for me, then I'm coming out of the gate, and I'm going to the throne room. I want the Lord to speak to me. I'm closing this morning. But I'm glad to tell you that Cornelius was not the last Gentile that God would fill with his spirit and let him take on his name. There is a number of people in this house this morning that I believe know what I'm talking about when they say they didn't come to the house of the Lord and get filled because they were perfect. They didn't come to the house of the Lord and touch God because they had perfected life. But they came to the house of the Lord in an imperfect state and God began to move on them and deal with them and draw them out of the gate. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what others have said about you. God is calling for somebody this morning. Don't get stuck in the gate. Let's stand this morning. Don't, don't, don't get stuck in the gate. Well, but my, my, my struggle is, Brother St. Clair, my, my, my struggle is just that 
I've done so much wrong. I don't know how God could possibly forgive. Apparently somebody has given you a gate perspective of our God. Because the more you realize about him, you're going to realize he's not what others have told you. He's not this mean God that sits up on the throne damning everybody to hell that doesn't do exactly what he wants them to do. I would present to you the contrary. The psalmist said he's a God that sits high but he looks low. He's not standing up in the heavens looking over the balcony of heaven saying you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. He's standing on the balcony of heaven telling all of humanity it's not my will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God is not the one that's sending people to hell. People are sending themselves because they're walking right past the gate of mercy and saying, ah, I don't have to believe that. That's not necessary. I don't have to do that. Listen, I'd rather take him at his word and walk on through that gate and get into the presence of God than I would to miss heaven. If you've been a part of this church for any length of time, you've heard me preach it time after time after time. But there's not going to be a single soul that will stand in heaven before the Lord God Almighty with their feet on street of gold, walls of jasper, gate of pearl, and stand there and say, you know, it just wasn't worth it. I mean, how many people are going to stand in the presence of Almighty God, behold Him face to face and go, this is it? I miss playing poker on Sundays for this. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'd lay down my life and give up all the fun things I did for this. Let me tell you what I believe it's going to be like. I believe when we see him face to face, we're going to behold him as he is. And we're going to bow down on our face. And we're going to worship him and we're going to love him. And we're going to say, Lord, it was worth every mile. It was worth every trial. It was worth every test. It was worth everything I had to go through. And I thank God that you drug me out of the gate. And you brought me into your presence. And you showed me new life. Hallelujah. So today, before they run off, y'all got got the beat going now. I don't want you to miss this. Listen. If you're in this house this morning and you feel like you've been stuck in the gate. This altar is open. Some of you may have served God for 40 years. I don't know. But you know there's a deeper place that God wants to take you this morning. The altars are open. Uh, Brother St. Clair, I probably know more scripture than you do. So I'm okay. All right, stay in your seat. We'll still love you. But I'm reaching for that somebody today that's hungry for God. And you, you just know that God's been pulling on you. Come on. You're, you're, you're fighting it right now. You feel it right now. You're saying, I should probably go, but then I don't want to. I should probably go, but then I don't want to. The Spirit of the Lord is reaching for you right now saying, come on out of the gate. Come on a little deeper into my presence. Let me touch your life. Let me turn you around. Man, if I started handing this microphone to people right now, the testimonies would amaze you of the people that God picked them up out of the miry clay. He set their feet on a solid rock and established their going. He pulled them out of the gate of confusion and false doctrine, and he set them on the right path. I'm glad about it this morning. I just want you to reach out and touch the Lord. Say, God, if there's something more you have for me, I want to walk in it. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to live how you've called me to live. And I want you to show yourself to me in your almighty presence. We're getting ready to sing right here. But I want you to listen to your heart right now. 
I want you to listen to the voice of the Lord that's pulling on your soul right now saying, come on, go a little deeper, go a little deeper, go a little deeper. He's been reaching for you. Come a little deeper. Let me deal with you a little deeper, but you got to come out of the gate this morning. Don't get stuck in the gate, church.